in the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Van. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM, and this is a Patreon special episode. My name is Paul, here with my brother Chris. Hey, it's Chris, and let's do another great NAPS News! That is right, Chris. We are digging into George Knapp's favorite news articles um which we've now found out how it works yeah because i'm dumb and i don't pay attention to george knapp's episodes enough so that's fine i don't listen to him honestly i listen to nori and ian and richard i just don't really go to the the george knapp apps and that's my fault and that's a miss that's a miss dude we may be losing some good content because of that all right here's the problem dude coast is on four hours a day every day yeah i can't listen to all of it (laughs) you can't listen to all of it you can't listen even you've listened to an incredible amount of it i know i already listened to it too much for my own sanity if i were to listen to every episode every day i would lose grasp of reality yeah by the way this has got to be there's got to be some doldrums in there what do you mean like there's got to be some episodes where you're like i'm skipping that Oh, dude, so many do I skip. So many just are just like, this is boring. This is a bad guest. Because, like, also, if you have a bad guest, there's not like a ton you can do. And they're on a lot. And it there just aren't that many people in the paranormal world when you're on four hours a night every night. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's a lot of time to fill. A lot of time. I mean, that's why you get him. You get George Norrie reading Edgar Allan Poe's A Tall Tale. Which I still love that he does that. I want more of it. I want more. Uh, Chris, speaking of George Norrie, how do you feel about maybe going and see George Norrie live for uh, Halloween? For Halloween? For Halloween. It's the George Norrie Live Halloween Spooky Stage Show Experience. How much does it cost? Okay, so it's on Saturday, October 14th of this year at 5 o'clock in... Uh, columbus ohio and we could meet and greet with george nori for the low price of 102 dollars per ticket that's not terrible i it's almost worth it do you think they would let us set up a booth no i don't i doubt they would they they have a lady doing a booth though uh erica a psychic medium the psychic diva is her name and she's going to be doing um readings in the lobby Dude, I bet Tim could get us a small little table and give us live airtime at this event. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think it would be hilarious. It would be really funny. I don't know if we could do that. Patrons, you tell us what you think. Yeah. Should we go to Columbus, Ohio and do live broadcasts? And... For context, we're in Virginia and South Carolina, so we're not, like, close to Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, it'll be a trip. But is it worth it? I think it may be worth it. 
I think we got to start doing, we got to start doing the circuits. Yeah. Well, and like, here's the thing, dude, George Norrie, not getting any younger. Like how many opportunities are we going to have to meet him? Hope he lives forever. I don't know if that's going to happen. It's a fair point. So just think about it. Want to bring it up and we'll, we'll stew on it. Patrons, let us know your thoughts. Um, But Chris, you want to get to the article? Let's do it. All right. Today's article, evidence of Roman era death magic used to speak with the deceased found near Jerusalem. I don't have any doubt that the Romans had death cults. I know this sounds really cool. I mean, death had to be an even more insane phenomenon for them than it was for us. Death magic and necromancy. And it was so prevalent, too. Yeah, just everyone dying all the time. Everyone died all the time. So from the article, Chris. Ancient human skulls, oil lamps, and parts of weapons hidden near a cave near Jerusalem are signs the site was used in the Roman era for attempts to speak with the dead, a practice known as necromancy or death magic, according to a new study. Do they teach us how to do this necromancy? We'll have to read and find out. I think a great way Uh, of doing necromancy, though, Chris, Ouija board. Is it? Yeah, it's talking with the dead. Technically, yeah, I guess it's technically necromancy. That would be necromancy. So if you want a necromance, get a Ouija board. board. Mm -hmm. Based on the styles of the artifacts, the researchers think the morbid rituals were carried out at Teoman Cave, about 20 miles west of Jerusalem, between the Uh, second and fourth century AD. Teoman Cave, I remember it well, where we used to go down and dig up dead bodies and talk yes. to them well lots of them apparently lots of them those were the good old days according to boaz zisu an archaeologist at baralon university in israel most of the jewish people who lived in the region had been eradicated or driven away by the ruling roman empire after the jewish rebellion known as bar kokba revolts between ad 132 and 136 Having your populace eradicated is pretty brutal. That is pretty gnarly. That was a, I think that was the second giant uprising, but I know that that was when the Jews thought that their Messiah had finally come and uh, he didn't and he died after two years. But they do have a lot of coins from that period because I think it was like a legitimately like a two year reign of a Jewish empire. Right. Before they were killed. Very around. interesting. Yeah. Nice so. little history ad in there, Polly. Yeah, you know, I've been studying my history and books and things. I read occasionally. You're specifically reading about Roman Judeo history? Yes, Jewish history I've been brushing up on. Thinking of converting. Specifically Jewish, yeah, to Judaism. Yeah, you know, it feels like a good vibe. Um, Dude, if you're going to go with any of the Abrahamic religions, everyone knows you go with Islam. That's the one? That's the only choice. It's the most pure. It's, dude, Muhammad synthesized the whole thing. It's it's an optimized religion. The Old Testament's took, very thick. He took the, the, you know, devotion to God of the Jews, and he, and he said, we're just going to cut out most of the hard stuff, like the Christians did, except we're going to... Cr- keep the halal part we like that part kosher halal that's good stuff 
Good stuff. You got to sure. make sure the priests get paid. <laughs> you do. That's an important, important piece. <laughs> now, Chris, the Romans repopulated the region with people from other parts of their empire, likely from Syria and Tolia and Egypt, Zisu said. A new pagan population arrived in what had formerly been Judea, but was now Syria-Palestine, Zisu told Live Science. They brought with them new ideas, new customs, and apparently the idea of necromancy. Yeah, we're going to bring in some necromancy in here. We're going to just kind of jazz the whole place up. Well, the funny thing is that Jewish tradition does have necromancy. There's necromancy in the Old Testament. Oh, no doubt, dude. Come on, these are ancient people. Yeah. There's Everyone a... had necromancy. You, you had the skulls of your ancestors in your house with you. Like, I, yeah. that society is a little necromancy, for sure. There's a really great story about King Saul. Um getting a uh like a witch lady to summon the spirit of samuel after he passed away and then samuel like comes up as a spirit from like the ground and is like bitch why are you bothering me and he's like super mad that he's being bothered from his slumber it's a really great story sounds interesting it's full ot dude yeah witches all that stuff dude that's old stuff like you know we think of christians as these enlightened souls but it was the 800s, the 400s, like people believed in magic and witches because there were magic and witches all over the place. Yeah, thou shall not suffer a witch to live. Yeah. <laughs> That's biblical, dude. Zisu is an author with archaeologist Eaton Klein of the Israeli Antiquities Authority of a new study published on July 4th and the journal published in the Harvard Theological Review describes the items discovered in the cave. More than 120 oil lamps, axes, spear blades, and three human craniums. This is what I'm saying, though. That doesn't necessarily make it. There were human skulls everywhere. All right, well, let's get into it. We'll find out All why right. we think it's necromancy. I was going to say, it almost sounds like this was like a rebellion warehouse. Yeah, it's like where everyone was stashing their stuff. They were stashing all the all the weapons in this cave and then they were like these were the founders of whatever right the mm -hmm. the founders of the movement mm -hmm. i'm liking my idea better but you're right we should keep going yeah yours well yours is very uh man the high castle when the nazis took over america all right, the americans dude. buried their yeah, guns below dude. ground that way yes. they'd be able to get to him again yeah when we were ready when yeah, we, you got ready. You got to let it. You got to let the rebellion stew, you know? Yeah. Very yeah. important. That's true. The vast Teomim cave has been visited by people since prehistoric times, and the Jewish rebels used it as a hideout from the Romans during the Bar Kokhba revolts. So, Chris, you're not wrong. You're not wrong here. During excavations, the researchers discovered three hordes of gold and silver coins from that time. A seam of rare calcite alabaster rock deep within the cave has also been queried at some point, perhaps to create valuable artwork. So, Paul, I've been reading a lot about South Carolina early history. I'm talking about like 1670s, 1700s, right? Yeah. Like very foundations of the state, right? There were a ton of pirates in this area 
during that time because it was such a good place to hide. Yeah. There's so many islands and, you know, little coves and like riverways all over the place and great place to hide as a pirate. And it's hard to get to. And there's like a bunch of sandbars and so pretty treacherous waters, but they would know it pretty well, right? So there's all these stories about shipwrecked galleons full of Spanish gold stolen by pirates all up and down the South Carolina coast. So, dude, I'm thinking we need to go treasure hunting. Treasure hunting for sure. There could be gold all over the place. There's, dude, literally all the time they're talking about it in the old records. They're like, "Uh, there was a pirate ship probably, and they called them uh, Corsairs. Corsair ship off the coast. Here's the thing, craziness. Totally, we're on a total tangent. But that's how South Carolina gets a lot of its early power is probably trading with pirates. <laughs> it's pirate gold. <laughs> it's pirate gold. They would they would give them like lumber and tar. Tar was a huge thing that they needed. And South Carolina, that was kind of our competitive advantage, was creating tar for whatever reason. Is that like... Wait, what do you need tar for? Is it to like seal the ship or something? Seal the ship, tar the ship. I mean, tar was super important to the Navy. And Interesting. so ipso facto would be super important to pirate ships. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I mean, maybe we scratch the meeting George Nori idea and we just become treasure hunters. That's not a bad play. Yeah, dude. I'll keep on running through and just kind of start starting a collection of ships we need to start looking for. Yeah, just get a map together. It, it'll be very, very Indiana Jones. It's going to be dope. So anyway, so so these uh, Jewish professors found all this gold in a cave. Yes. And Did lakes. they keep it? Did I mean, they let's keep fu- it? What happens to the gold? What happens when you find... A full treasure trove of gold. It goes to a museum. Because if we get to keep it, dude, we're going to live like kings. Well, okay, if we found gold, we'd get to keep it. I think the professors have to give it to a museum. They have to give it up. You got, I as a professor, I'd be like, I got to get 10% at least. They should get a cut of that find. They should get a cut of the gold. Yeah, that's a bummer. Because here's the thing. Yeah. The Americans are stealing it. And then we're putting it into a gold bar and it's going deep into a vault somewhere. And those professors aren't getting paid enough anyways. No. There's no way. I don't know, dude. I bet Israel pays their professors pretty well. You think? I would think so. They're a little bit more, uh, I dare say, socialist than us. Oh. Oh. Well, Chris. The styles of the oil lamps and some hidden coins suggest the cave became a place for necromancy when new arrivals to the area brought their traditional rituals with them. Necromancy was considered evil and often banned within the Roman Empire. Still, many ancient cities were near secret oracle sites where people believed they could speak to the dead, and this cave became one such place. What would be the legal... Like, what caused the legal 
creation of necromancy being against the law in all of Roman territories? Do you think it was like the desecration of bodies and stuff? That's the only thing I can really think of that would cause them to ban it outright. Yeah, and that's one of the things that um, a historian I like to follow that is like an expert on like ancient um eastern civilizations talks a lot about is that whenever you see these laws it means that they were having a problem with it usually right like when you read the code of hammurabi and it's like if you steal something you get your hand chopped off they wrote that because they were having a problem with people stealing stuff you don't just make these rules up so there must have been some sort of problems necromancy folks were causing um either like civil unrest or maybe they were ripping people off i don't really know but I could see it being a scam as well. Like that could be part oh, of the problem. Big time, big yeah. time. But that was my first thing was I can imagine these necromancy cults just digging up bodies. And yeah. that that tick that would tick off a whole lot of people. You're messing with my ancestors. Yeah, yeah. It's like a grave robbing problem. Exactly. So that's okay. it's an interesting, very interesting case we got here. I, I didn't realize that this was so this is an illegal cult, which would explain why they had all these weapons in there. Could be. Could be. They had to protect their religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. They were very freedom fighters. Second Amendment, dude. Very Second Amendment. Right to bear arms. Yep. There they with a found little First Amendment, dude. With a little First Amendment, there they found perfect conditions. Zizu said, "It's a bit remote, but not so far from the main road. It's deep, but not very deep. It has a deep shaft at the end that they regarded as a connection to the underworld. That's fun. That's dude, spooky. Caves, caves have forever been associated with the underworld, so that's not surprising whatsoever." I love that dude though. Imagine doing necromancy rituals in a cave. You got your human skull, right? You got your creepy lamps and oil lanterns. And then you're standing next to a giant shaft that you think goes down to the underworld. Like that is a vibe, dude. We were blessed enough to live near a place called Virgin Falls. It's in Tennessee. And you can go down into the cave systems while you're probably not actually supposed to. So I may be uh, ratting myself out here, but we would go down to the caves and we'd bring like uh, helmets and stuff like that because you could go super deep into these caves. And I can only imagine like a fire lit cavern inside one of these caves and the flames flicking off and the water dripping and the stalagmites and the stalactites and the creepy sounds coming up and just the, it's such a primitive feeling when you're deep inside of a cave. It's, it's really unsettling, but also exciting. And if you were doing this illegal thing with a group of people with chanting and i'm sure there was either alcohol or drugs involved and smoke and all this stuff to like mess with your senses that had to be an absolutely wild event i would do it i would do it hands down sounds great all right let's do it dude let's get the boys back together Let's get into a cave and let's do a weird necromancy ritual. 
I mean, it'll. We're gonna start a pirate treasure hunting necromancy cult. I think is what the goal is now. That's pretty dope. Yeah, that's how we fund our necromancy is finding gold. Netflix would do a three-part documentary about us in a heartbeat. That would be great. We'll be famous. We will be famous. So, uh, yeah, write in if you want to join the cult. Um, I think we can get one rolling. Should be pretty solid. Good vibes. Yeah, dude. Patrons all have an automatic in once the cult is started. It'll be like a commune cult of roving treasure hunting necromancers. Hell yeah, dude. It's going to be red. Well, Chris, the lamps, human craniums, and parts of weapons are lodged in crevices within the huge cavern, often so far back that the researchers needed long poles with hooks on the end to retrieve them. Ancient people likely placed them there with poles, Zisu said. Why? Why would you push them that far back? I think it's just part of, like, hiding your stuff so no one would mess with it. Like, if it is illegal, it's like when you, you know put your drugs like in a vent. I think these skulls were somebody important. Maybe. I think these may be like the Christ figure or something like that for these necromancers. Man, could you imagine if you had your Messiah's head? That'd be so weird. It happened all the time in the ancient world, dude. They would have the bones of their saints. I mean, we... We sort of do that, though. Like, you can go to Jefferson's grave. Like, is it that different? Right. That's true. I mean, look, that Mao did it. The, you know, the, the, the communists did it all the time. Lenin, yeah. Lenin's grave. Lenin, Stalin. Yeah, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. Well, wasn't Lenin in, like, a glass one or something? Or am I crazy? No, I think you're talking. I think they were both displayed, and you could just see their mummified bodies. Yeah, that's weird, dude. It's so weird. The crevices are too deep for the oil lamps to have cast much light. The researchers first thought they were artifacts of Catholic worship rituals associated with underworld spirits. That's a new word that I did not know. I like it a lot. And I, I, I to be quite honest, I don't know if I want to do necromancy rituals in the cave. Let's do, was it canonic? Catholic. Cathonic. Let's do Cathonic rituals when we're in the cave. I think of like Hades or a Neptune or no, ne- not Neptune. Who was the Roman god of the underworld? Pluto? Was it Pluto or Uranus? Dude, I have no idea. Ah, Uranus! I'm not responding to that. Um, what was the dog's name? Three-headed dog. Cerebrus. Cere- yeah, Cerebrus? Cerebrus. That feels right. Uh, that would be dope too. Like have some carvings to Cerebrus on the cave walls. I mean, come yeah, on, dude. I feel like we may need to sacrifice a chicken or something. That's easy enough. I'm sure there's plenty of chickens running around South Carolina, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Been a few times. It feels like chicken country. What I'll do is buy a chick, just make it a plump chicken. So that for the ritual, it's like been a, this chicken's about to have the best year of its life. And then we kill it in the cave. There you go. Now, the craniums, also secreted in the crevices, suggested the real purpose was to try and speak to the dead, who were supposed to be able to foretell the future. 
Zisu said. The dead can tell the future. Apparently. Why would they care? I don't think they would, honestly. I don't think they would. I, I would be the, what's the future on Earth? I'm dead. What do I care? Do you they know how not. great it is? I don't have to have a job. That's awesome. See you later. I'm going to go kick it with, you know, Jefferson and Washington. And I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't kick it with them at first. I'm going to go hang out with Buddha and Jesus. Yeah, that, that's a good place to start, man. I don't know. I'm like start there. Jimi Hendrix, you know, something cool like that. What's that Elvis up cool. to? What's Hendrix up to would be cool. Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. What's he hanging out with? June Carter and Johnny Cash. I think they're together. Oh, definitely. I hope they are. Bones from individuals were sometimes used in an attempt to make contact with that person after death, and the flickering of flames could be interpreted as their messages from the underworld, these study authors wrote. Love that, incorporating that into our cave ritual. Well, I guess we do know how to talk to dead people, then. We just need their bones and a lamp. Yep. Yeah. And we have to determine how to interpret flickers. Well, I think you would tell the beings what the different flickers meant. So if it flickers right, that's yes. If it flickers no or flickers left, that's no. Oh, I was thinking like it was like Morse code, like they were using flickers to communicate. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, this is what those flickers. It's kind of like with um, entrails, like entrails in a certain way denote certain things. See, we're going to need to get a medicine man to interpret signals for us because we are not, we don't have in-depth knowledge of interpreting signals. This feels like a kind of a spirit box type thing too, where it's like, I just. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Don't spirit box Don't the spirit candle, box dude. Don't spirit box the candle, dude. This is ancient. This is old, dude. So this is another tangent, but speaking of spirit boxes, uh, we were in Lynchburg recently, and they have a ghost hunting store full of ghost hunting equipment. You've never given me a full ghost hunting equipment episode, so I don't even know what that means. Dude, it has, like, the spirit boxes. It has, like, LEDs. It has, like, EMF readers. Like, it has everything that you've ever seen on freaking Travel Channel ghost shows they have in this ghost hunting store. It's a whole store dedicated to ghost hunting. That's unbelievable. I know. It's awesome. I really want to buy stuff there. Though Lynchburg's a great place to have that because you're in the middle of Civil War. Oh, yeah. Ghost hunting territory. Everything's haunted there. Um, It's called the Ghost Stop. If you're in Lynchburg, go check it out. Good plug. Yeah, dude. I got to plug them. You know, maybe they'll sponsor us. We'll see. (laughs) This cave provides important evidence attesting to both the diversity of religious practices in the Roman period and the stark contrast between the religious use of caves by Roman period polytheists during the earliest Christian cave churches in the Holy Land. Archaeologist Ken Dark of King's College London, who was not involved in the study, told Live Science. I really feel like that's one of the things we missed out being americans and growing up in the south is that really it was just protestant christianity that's mm-hmm. all we really had any access to and it's like okay well you're a methodist you're a baptist you're a presbyterian 
at the end of the day, no real difference between them. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine being in a place like Rome and just the whole beautiful widespread spectrum of human belief in all the manifestations, the, the portrait of belief systems out there, it must have been incredible. Yeah, it would have been vastly more interesting than what we grew up with. Um, a lot more diversity of thought, probably, especially in those those centralized hubs. Um, right. I know that's like where, like trade centers, there were just people from all over the place that would just like, you know, have to walk there versus Arkansas. Right. Not so much. But hey, we got the internet. We got the internet. And if you are curious, you live in the best time in the world to access different ideas. What I'm mostly jealous of is the people who live in the time where they could be pirates in South Carolina, because that sounds like the most fun. Um, And you can't do that stuff anymore, man. I'll send you some material to read up on because it is absolutely fascinating. And when you kind of connect what we do such a terrible job at in the U S is connecting early colonial history with the rest of Europe, Mm -hmm. like, you know, a whole bunch of dudes and chicks didn't just show up on the continent all of a sudden just sprang out of nowhere. They all came from somewhere. They were all escaping something or trying to make something of themselves. And so it's just kind of crazy to think about the Spanish versus the English versus the French versus the Dutch. What's going on in Europe at the time to cause piracy in the first place Mm -hmm. in the new world it's all very crazy very crazy very connected you know and there's still people doing stuff like that too um not just the piracy piece but like did you see the the four guys from nigeria that uh rode on a cargo ship's rudder to brazil i did not hear about that yeah they took their boat up to the rudder of a cargo ship hopped on it and were on it for like 14 days uh, until they got to brazil Well, you know what I learned about the other day? What? French air pirates. The hell is that? So at the very beginning of flight, the French were one of the most prolific airplane creators. And I'm talking about like old school biplane planes, right? OG, very early 1910s, 1920s planes. But so, but there were so many of them, and the French were doing so much in Africa that sometimes, like, a couple of dudes would just break off from the French army and become French African desert air pirates. Wait, so what, what would they do as air pirates? What does that mean? They would come in and, like, swoop, scare everyone with guns. And they would always work in twos. That way, if something happened to the other plane, they could escape in the other one. Weird. And so they would go in, swoop, if there was like a caravan going 
or likes, you know, because it's the desert. Yeah. The only way, and back then, the only way you could travel through the desert was through it. Yeah. And so they were just like, attack these caravans from these biplanes and then get out of there. Like, that's kind of awesome. <laughs> like, it's probably very bad for the caravan people, but that's like kind of rad. <laughs> we're desert like, French air pirates. Why has nobody taken this on? What an that's incredible a idea. I would watch that movie. So anyways. full of ideas today. So that's yeah. it, Chris. This was one of our uh, looser Patreon episodes, I think. That was good. I enjoyed it. We went. That was weird, dude. I mean, necromancy and the Roman period is always going to be strange. So I think everyone kind of stuck with us on the tangents. Yeah. And it's one of those things, man, where I was, I just want to experience something. And when I read stuff like this, I'm like, I wonder if they were actually seeing anything, you know, is there anything to talking to bones through flames? Maybe, I don't know. Should we, you should try it sometime. Let's Maybe. try it, dude. I'm Maybe. dead serious. Yeah. I'm wearing a I'm wearing a Dionysus pin right now, dude. Yeah. Got a little Dionysus pendant. So I'm down to check out the Greek and Roman gods. All I know is my stupid Ouija board hasn't done shit. So I feel like something else has to do it for me. Yeah, dude. Let's give the Greeks and Romans a try. Because my thinking is, is that we're of those people. Like yeah. we're actually not of Christian people. We were pagans. Yeah. Saul yeah. of Tarsus gives us Christianity. Yeah. And he was he wasn't Roman. That man wasn't a, a Palestinian. Yeah. Can I say that? Well, yeah, he was. Am I allowed to say that? He was, wasn't he? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. saying he was Jewish, but yeah. Well, there you go, Chris. We got there. I'm trying not to get political, Paul. I'm trying to. This, to get political. It's been 2000 years. I think we're okay. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it's worse than it's ever been. If you talk to the Palestinians these days, but again, I don't want to get political. I guess that's true, but uh, you know, whatever. Uh, that has been our Patreon episode. We hope you enjoyed whatever this was. Uh, thank you for being a patron and supporting us. You keep us on the air. You keep us running. Uh, and yeah, thanks. All conspiracy all the time. Later.